0: Yeah, just an opportunity as your saints to come together and and worship you, and uh, we we just want to acknowledge, Lord, that we love you and we honor you, and it is so good to be here together, worshiping you and meeting with you. And we pray, Lord, would you even continue to speak through the scriptures, through your word, in Jesus' name, Amen. So, um, I I had I had prepared. A message for this morning, and I would put a bit of time into preparing it, and then very late in the week, while I was actually just praying for us as a congregation, the Lord actually told me He he wants to say something else. So I had to scrap my notes, and this is uh, version 2 of a completely different topic, but I... I do have a lot of faith that this is what God wants to say because it feels prophetic more than like a precept upon precept teaching. So, um, I'm going to be talking about warfare and um, how we fight, but it's not going to be like a Sunday school like diagram with you know uh, tabs and It's going to be more what I feel is on God's heart and what is on His mind for us um, now, but also into the year. Um, And it's got more to do with our attitude and our posture towards God and towards the future and what this year holds in in store for us. Is that cool? So it's not very polished, probably, um, but I I do believe it's the Lord, which is the most important important thing. So maybe you can... um, I wanted to do something different. I want to put a, a scripture up and read it over you, but do not... But to actually engage your spirit and actually have your eyes closed and just listen to the word. Is that cool? Um, So maybe you can put it up, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, but for me, not for you. Your your eyes are closed. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Wanna read that first verse again Be strong in the Lord, and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Just, you can open your eyes again. I just really felt like the Lord wants us to position ourselves to fight. And I know that that's quite a strong word just coming out of December holidays. It's like, whoa, can we just, can we just kind of ease into, into the year? But I felt the Lord challenged me on this, and I felt like the Lord challenging us. I want you to position yourself to fight um, and we 're going to unpack that a little bit with this with this verse um, but it 's the position of um maybe, where's where 's coach i did pre i did prep. coach um, does a bit of boxing training um, and the as we 're going to read a little bit later in this verse, it talks about standing it actually says it, Twice, stand, stand firm, and then it says, there- "Therefore, stand." It's like, well, what does that? What does that have to do with anything? You know, what is this standing all about? So, I'm going to ask Coach. You can see he's been in the wars. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to, if you're going to box, how do you stand? <laughs> can you, can you see how he's positioning his body? You can, just by looking at him, you can tell he's ready to fight. Agreed? Now, what happens, what would happen if you go into a boxing ring, standing, standing like this? What would happen? Yeah. Yeah. If I stood like that. You, 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 wouldn't, you wouldn't last very long, because if, you, if you're if you standing like this, probably just take a hard shove, and you'll be on the floor, right? Thanks, coach. So, th- there's this... If you can... If you can... I felt like that's what the Lord wanted to say to us this morning. Position yourself as if you're ready for the fight. And that is especially true coming out of December. Amen? When you... I mean, not to generalize or anything, but spiritually, how you posture is probably more involving a couch, right? And like this sort of this sort of position, more, more, than, a, more than this. It's more like, like this. But um, this scripture says, "Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Notice it's in His might in his power in his strength and then it goes on to say put on the whole armor of god now i know that when we read that verse put on the whole armor of god we usually think the emphasis falls on the fact that you must arm yourself put on the armor of god but the emphasis actually falls on put on the whole armor of god put on all of it there are certain there are, there are many different Uh, weapons which God has given us, it's important that you have them all. Um, And we'll we'll unpack that a little bit. But um, when when we look at the kingdom of God in Scripture, uh, to use an analogy, um, I'm not sure if you know much about the, the paratroopers or the special forces. They are not conventional soldiers. They don't go into battle in tanks and in cars and on foot. They usually get dropped in by helicopter or by airplane. And they usually get dropped in behind enemy lines. And they get dropped in to take a strategic objective. It's get in, get the objective, and then get out. Um, And um, they are almost always surrounded when they land. Because they're landing behind enemy lines, they're almost always surrounded, and, they're all, and they are almost always outnumbered. And that is taken as a norm. That's just, that's just what you signed up for. And it's interesting, as you read through the scriptures, if you look at the kingdom of God, it's exactly the same. Wherever you see the kingdom of God being established, it's always behind enemy lines, it's always surrounded, and it's almost always outnumbered. And it's just part of the nature of God's kingdom. If you look at, from the Old Testament, you look at Daniel and his three friends in Babylon. Completely surrounded by pagans, idol-worshipping pagans. And hostile towards them. Outnumbered, surrounded, and almost always looked like on the verge of being overwhelmed and defeated. Because it's so small and looks so insignificant, it looks like just a hard thumb snuff and it'll be out. To Jesus, to Paul. And Paul would say, you know, we're hard pressed on every side, but not defeated, you know, knocked down, but not destroyed. And you look at him and his little, small, but little band of merry men, you know, going out into cities, completely surrounded, completely overwhelmed, completely outnumbered. But what's interesting about special forces and also true for us is they have superior. Fighting power. In other words, they give them the best guns, the biggest, most intimidating weapons. And they do that because they're outnumbered. So, what they lack in numbers, they're going to have to make up in superior firepower. And that is also true of us. We are outnumbered and surrounded and look like we're going to get snuffed out, but we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, we always win. And that is the nature of God's kingdom. It's small, it looks insignificant, it looks like it's precarious, it looks like it's easy to snuff out, but because of the power of God, it doesn't. And so the reason why I say this is I say this as an encouragement to you, because it's easy to think of little old me out here in the world, facing trials and temptations every day, feeling often intimidated, feeling often insecure, feeling often, am I actually going to make it through the trials right till the end? If I look around me, the, it doesn't look like statistically I have a very good chance. And I would say as an encouragement to you, the power of God is what gives us hope. I want to read um, in, uh, a little bit earlier in the same book, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. It's a vision of Christ. It's a vision of Christ, and then he goes on to talk about us, but he starts by talking about Christ. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which That is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body. This is a message to Christians just like us. And it's a reminder that Christ was also humbled, was also made flesh. He was also persecuted and intimidated and crushed, but he was raised by the power of God. And now he is seated at the right hand of God. And it says that he has been given authority, and his authority is for us, which means that because he was raised, we will be raised. Because of the power that raised him from the dead, he will raise us from the dead. And it speaks about hope. It speaks about the hope that we have. And it's another place it will say it's a living hope. And the living hope is founded in the fact that we will win because Christ is one. And he has our inheritance. Amen? So it's a case of he's lifting his gaze to Jesus. But I feel like the Lord is also lifting our gaze to Jesus. Even in worship. Don't you love how in worship it's like you come in here in a certain frame of mind. And you begin singing I exalt thee a couple of times. And the Holy Spirit comes and he lifts your gaze to Jesus, and there's a hope that stirs. When I talk about spiritual warfare, it's easy to think in very limited terms about what that is. Maybe you have visions of of casting out demons. That is a form of spiritual warfare, and a very important part of spiritual warfare. But I'm actually more referring to our day-to-day struggles against sin, temptation, intimidation against the lies of the enemy in my mind. As we go through this scripture, you'll see more and more of what this warfare looks like. Yes, it does look like rebuking and casting demons out from time to time. But this overcoming of the evil one often looks like the battle that actually takes place in our minds. Amen? And so when we talk about having the stance, it's Primarily to do battle in our own minds against discouragement, against uh, old patterns of thinking, (coughs) against uh, lies of the evil one where he tries to disqualify you, where he tries to discourage you and beat you down before you even get into the fight. So let's read on. Verse 13, chapter 6, verse 13. This is what I was mentioning before. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Verse 14. Stand, therefore. (laughs) Having fastened on the belt belt of truth and having put on the the breastplate of righteousness. This, why, why does he keep saying stand? Stand therefore, st- stand! <laughs> He's talking about the nature of the kingdom. The nature of the posture of our hearts is one of a stubborn resilience. It's, it's one of a taking hold of what Christ has won for me and refusing to open my hand. After you've done everything to stand. Stand. It's a stubbornness. And that's what I'm talking about when I say a position ourselves to fight. To fight for what Christ has won for us and to refuse to let it go. And I'm talking corporately, what God's called us to corporately, but it's also an individual thing. To you, if you're sitting here this morning feeling discouraged, Christ is saying to you, stand. Stand. Hold on to what Christ has called you to. Hold on to what Christ has said over you. Hold fast to what Jesus has declared over you. Fight. Get back in the fight. Amen? We can talk about all the weapons of our warfare, but the reality of it is, if we don't have a heart posture that says, I am going to stand. Because of what Christ has done for me, I'm going to fight. If your heart and your mind is not in the fight, it doesn't matter what weapons you've got. You won't use them. And so that's why it starts by saying stand, stand firm. Let's read on, verse 14. Having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for our feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up a three-part sermon series unpacking each of the weapons and what they mean. But I want to share with you what I felt the Holy Spirit highlighting that he wants to equip and instill into us. Taking up these weapons of warfare speaks about being alert to the schemes of the evil one. Now that's true corporately, but I want to say for you and for me, do you know... Where Satan normally has a go at you. You do, eh? There are certain areas in our mind where we know we're weak. Satan doesn't generally go for complicated schemes, he just goes for the one that most consistently works. Amen? His simple his strategies are usually very simple but very effective. He just finds the weakest point and he just keeps going at it. And usually it's in the form of lies. He wants to get in your head and disqualify you so that you don't even fight, because you feel discouraged, feel defeated. And so I want to encourage you this morning and remind you this morning, be alert to Satan's schemes against you. Recognize he's doing it again, and then pick up your sword, sword of the Spirit. The sword of the word and the scriptures and the truth of God. What is Satan saying to me right now? Versus, okay, but wait, I recognize what he's doing. Now I'm going to fight against him with the sword of truth, with the sword of his scripture. It speaks about knowing the truth of God. I really have a strong uh, sense in my heart this morning. I was reading um, in in Hosea where it says, My people. And perish for lack of knowledge. Now there's two kinds of knowledge which the Bible talks about. It talks about the kind of knowledge which puffs up its head knowledge. It's not talking about that kind of knowledge. People perish for lack of knowledge also refers to the fact of knowing what pleases God. Knowing in every circumstance of my life what is going to be pleasing to God. In my marriage, what is pleasing to God? In raising my children, what's pleasing to God? In my workplace, what's pleasing to God? And I, I have this urgent sense in my heart that this, that this year, obviously every year, but especially now, God wants us to be equipped and have a heart that searches out, God, what is pleasing to you, and to be able to fight with the truth of God's word. I have this sense in my heart that there's never been a time that it's more important to know the truth of God. Than it is right now. It's very easy. In so many different spheres. To be waylaid. And misled. When you're not equipped with the truth of God. It's interesting. Don't you find this fascinating? When Jesus. The word of God. We have the word of God. Right? The scriptures. Jesus. Is the word. Of God. And Satan comes. And tries to get inside of Jesus' head. Do you know that? Takes him out into the wilderness where he's feeling weak, he's hungry, he's thirsty, and Satan comes and starts having a go at him. And do do you know what Jesus says? This is how he fights. It is written. Worship the Lord your God and worship him only. I find that fascinating. Jesus used scripture to fight against Satan. You think, surely if there's anyone that didn't need scripture to fight against Satan, it would be Jesus, right? He is the word of God. Now why does he need to be quoting the scriptures? But yet he's modeling to us, this is how you fight. When Satan comes today, when he comes tomorrow, and he starts to try and intimidate you and and lead you astray and tempt you and go for you where you are weak, my encouragement to you is to respond like this. The scripture says, the word of God says, it's the most reliable way to blast Satan's head off in an instance. It's an incredibly powerful weapon. There's something about the word of God, but the thing is, we have to have the word of God in us. It has to be in, in our minds. It has to be on our lips. We have to read it. We have to dwell on it. We have to meditate on it. Not just for the sake of knowledge but because it's a weapon. It's the truth of God. And in the battle against the principalities and powers, your number one weapon is going to be to know the truth and to correctly apply it in every situation of your life. And it's something that doesn't happen by accident. We have to practice. It comes with practice. Amen? I find that fascinating that Jesus used scripture. Don't you find that fascinating? We need to be able to recognize the lies which Satan is using against us. And usually the lies will take some variation of this form. You're disqualified. You're disqualified because... And then fill in the blank. Whatever it is that he usually uses against you to make you feel like, you know, it's not even worth it. When it comes to sin... You're not going to beat this. Look how long it's had you now. You know how many times you've been defeated. Don't even, don't even go there. It's a lie. Then you speak the truth of God into that situation and say, "I have been made new. I am a new creation. I have been redeemed. I have been washed. I've been cleansed. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I am a child of God now." That's the truth of God into that scripture. Amen. God wants us, and this is not easy, God wants us to be tireless in our war against the evil one. Not just to fight well and hard and strong for short periods of time, but tireless. Once you've done everything to stand, stand thereafter. Amen? And that's why we join a church community, because it gets tiring. There will be times. If I had to count the number of times. I've sat with Christians the number of times I've sat with Christians and they know the truth but they've given up. Yes, I I know it's true but for me it just feels like it's not true anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. And the number of times I've had to say it's still true. It's still true. It's still true for you. And why do we join a church community? Because there will be a time, either soon or late, when you feel that way. I feel, I feel that way. There are times when I need people to tell me simple, obvious things. Because I just need to be reminded of it again. And so the Bible speaks about encouraging one another daily. So that our hearts don't become hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Amen? I feel like God is calling us to sharp spiritual discernment. Yes, spiritual principles will are very helpful, but spiritual discernment is to know in this situation this is what Satan's trying to do, and this is what God is trying to do. And it requires the sword of the Spirit. It's interesting when it talks about the sword of the Spirit, it speaks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Verse 17, do you want to just put that up again? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now for me, as a teacher type who likes my eyes dotted and my T's crossed, this is a bit annoying for me because it's like, well, which one is it? Is it the Holy Spirit? Which, wh- what is the sword? Is it the Holy Spirit? Or is it the Word of God? But he's, he's, he's saying, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And there's this thing about the kingdom where principles of truth will get you so far, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit coming alongside and empowering that truth and saying, this is what God is saying and he's saying it right now. It's actually powerless. And so the sword that we fight with is scripture, but it's also the Holy Spirit empowered wisdom and discernment to apply that truth into the situation of your life. Amen? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God speaks about the shield of faith, and it speaks about the flaming darts of the evil one. It says, take up the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. W- what are the darts? Does anyone know? What are the, da- the flaming darts of the evil one? Accusations and doubts. Did God really say? Yes, he said it a long time ago. Is it still true? Is he still saying that? Yes, that may have been true at one time, but what about now? Situation's situation is different now. And to hold up the shield of faith is when the doubts come. And there will be hundreds of doubts every single day that cause you to question the truth of God for your life. To hold up the shield of faith is to do what Jesus said and say, I choose to believe what God says. What God has said, it hasn't changed, it's still true. And I choose to hold up the shield of faith and choose in the light of all these fiery doubts, I'm holding up the shield of faith and saying, but I choose to believe what God says. Amen? It doesn't sound very complicated, does it? But it's very important. It's it's knowing the truth and choosing to believe it over the fiery darts of the evil one. But I feel like it's not just defensive faith that God is calling us to right now. He's calling us to an aggressive faith. The kingdom of God is advancing. The kingdom of God is advancing and it says the forceful will take it by faith. It's not just in defense of me. It's what has God called us to. Why are we here? What has God called us to? It's an aggressive, offensive. The kingdom is, is moving forward. The kingdom is advancing. Amen? I know it's a lot for a first Sunday. I know it would have been nicer to ease our way into the year, but I, I did feel like this is what the Holy Spirit was wanting to say. So, forgive me, and I'm sorry, but not sorry. <laughs> Exercising our faith violently. You know... um, we, we, we live in a culture which, is not, which doesn't like to talk about violence and, for, and, and with good reason. We are a pacifistic generation and a pacifistic culture. But God has called us to be violent. Amen? In what way ways he called us to be violent? His kingdom is advancing. We are in the business of being rescued and rescuing others. And it doesn't happen when we're standing like this. It happens when you're standing like this. God has called us. And he is taking us somewhere. And there's going to be resistance and we're going to win anyway. Amen? We are surrounded. We are outnumbered. But we're going to win anyway. Because of the power of God. Because Christ has been raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same Spirit lives in us. I am going to win in my personal life. The Bible says I will overcome sin. I will, and we will, and we will overcome the works of the evil one by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to leave you with one very practical skill, and then we're going to close with some prayer. But not like a, thank you Jesus for the service, amen, prayer. But we're going to pray together. One very practical skill that I felt the Lord wanted us to equip ourselves in. In Romans chapter 8, verse 13. This was actually spoken of about in two or three prophetic words even before the service really started. So I, I feel like it's pertinent for us. Romans 8 verse 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, or it's in another translation it says the misdeeds of the body, in other words, sin, you will live. The Bible speaks very often about putting sin to death in us. It's an active thing that we do every day. We actively put sin to death. I've often wondered, that sounds very important and it sounds very good and I agree with that. but what does that actually mean? How, How do I put sin to death? Now you could give a simple answer and just say, well, don't do it. And that is true. But I want to go a little bit deeper than that. How do we... Actively put sin to death. Firstly, when the, when the temptation to sin, whether it be believing a lie or just a normal sin, is in our minds, it's to judge it and condemn it as sin, to recognize sin. When a, a, a sinful thought is circulating in our mind, and, it's, and it's, it's been there now, it's to recognize a sinful thought. It's, to, it's to, to judge it as something that is, is unholy and displeasing to God. So that's the first step. Judge a thought as sin. To condemn it, to call it what it is. It's something which is not from God, it's from Satan. It's, it's harmful and dangerous. Number two, it's, it's not just a case of judging and recognizing that something is sinful. It's, it's to hate sin. We hate sin because God is holy, and because God is holy, he's made me holy. And sin, and sinful thinking and sinful attitudes are foreign. They are foreign. They don't belong in me. They don't belong in me. They don't belong in God. They don't belong in the kingdom. It's a foreign alien that is invaded. It's the equivalent of coming home and finding that some. Squatters have taken residence in your lounge, and they are cooking fires on your carpet, and, and they are using the corner of your, your room for a toilet. Sound foreign? doesn't belong. It's my house. That's not how... That is exactly what sin is to a Christian. A sinful thought, a sinful attitude, a, a, a way of thinking, even if it's a lie that I'm believing, it doesn't belong here. And so I hate it. I hate sin. Because I am new. I am holy. I am pure. I've been made new. This thought doesn't belong here. I hate it. Not only do I recognize it that it's not true. Not only do I recognize that it's not from God. I hate it like he hates it. I choose to hate it like God hates it. It doesn't belong here. And the last thing is to deny To deny means I separate myself from sin. I turn away from sin. I turn away from sin. I turn toward Christ. The Bible says I flee unrighteousness. Once I've judged it, once I've seen it for what it is, once I've chosen to hate it for what it is, I flee from it. I turn away from it and I turn towards Christ. Is that practical enough for you? So how do you put sin to death? You judge it. You hate it. You turn away from it. Amen? Sometimes we entertain sinful thoughts too long. But the Bible says put it to death. Now we're going to pray. Before we pray, I want to just read the verse on prayer. This is something I feel that the Lord is calling us to in a new way, a fresh way as a congregation. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And Paul puts in a, a personal prayer request here as well. And also for me. That words may be given me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the Gospel. I feel like... God is calling us to renew, renewed prayer. How? Corporately praying together. Privately praying on my own. Praying in the spirit. When? Praying on all occasions. Not just in January. But he's calling us to renew our prayer. That there's a lot to pray about. I I don't know how your December was. But um, Zandi will testify that when I had eight hours of load shedding on one day, I got discouraged. Two and a half hours is one thing. Eight hours without electricity, that's a very long time. (laughs) And I, I, I have the kind of brain that likes to solve problems. I was struggling with that one. Doing things in your own strength, you can get away with it for so long. But when you have eight hours of load shedding, I admit to you, I was stumped. I already was. I was discouraged. I was like, Lord, how are we, how are we, going, to, how are we going to live like this? I'll, maybe I'll be fine, but it's not just about me, is it? I live in a country. Everyone, everyone needs to get by. We can't get by with eight hours of load shedding, Lord. We have a, we have a lot to pray about. Amen? You can either worry about it, or you can pray about it. Let's choose to pray about it. We've got a lot to pray for. Just if you start with the Lord's prayer, you realize we've got a lot to pray for. Your kingdom come on this earth as it is in heaven. That will require some prayer. Just, just forgive me this day my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. That, that requires a lot of prayer. Just that in itself. And so I would